1: The sticks and stones adage originated in a black Christian newspaper during slavery as a reaction to white bigotry. It was a tool for black believers to reject and ignore the belittling and condescending comments hurled at them. The adage is a reminder to all believers that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Someone needs to teach Shannon Sharp, the history of sticks and stones, before he let Skip Bayless bait him into career suicide. Welcome Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Tuesday, happy day before hump day, happy day after Monday. Fantastic Tuesday. Tornadoes all over uh, the Midwest and all over the United States. But uh, we're safe and sound here in Nashville and have a fantastic, wonderful show planned for you this evening. TJ Moe is back with me here in studio. Royce White and Steve Kim will join us via Skype. Fantastic, awesome show. We're going to pick up where we left off yesterday with Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless. But I got a more biblical take, as you heard me allude to and tease at the top of the show. But before I get to my fire starter, I want to start a fire in your belly and tell you about a great gift idea for Christmas. If you're short on gift ideas, (laughs) because not everyone wants the new iPhone 27 or whatever number they're on, in fact, a hard economic year for most has caused essential gifts to be more needed and wanted than ever. Fortunately, you can easily give the most essential gift of all this year, delicious meat, food. Good Ranchers has gift boxes and gift cards so you can give America's best meat and seafood this Christmas. With discounts on orders of five boxes or more, you can save on gifts for the whole family or your business. When you get someone a box of Good Ranchers, you're giving them more than the best meat there they've ever had, you're giving them a true steakhouse experience. With 100% American, USDA, prime and upper choice cuts of beef, chicken and seafood, you're sure to beat out the new socks and re-gifted candles and the underwear for the best gift of the year. Head on over to GoodRanchers.com and use my promo code FEARLESS at checkout for $35 off your delicious gift of meat. If you know someone that likes meat, then you know someone who will love Good Ranchers for Christmas. Your gift goes further with them because they take the premium price out of the premium meats. Go to GoodRanchers.com and find the perfect box for you or loved one in their curated selection of hand-trimmed meat and seafood. Give the best meat in America. Support local U.S. farms. Support a business that supports you and our values. Get $35 off your essential gift with my code fearless today, good ranchers, American meat delivered. You guys know what to do. Be good soldiers, feed your soldiers, good ranchers. Let's get this fire started, TJ, and uh, we'll bring in Royce White after I, to fan these flames. Uh, the sticks and stones adage originated in 1862 on the pages of the Christian Recorder, the oldest African-American newspaper in the United States. It read originally, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never break me. A decade later, a Scottish writer, Miss George Couples, tweaked the phrase in a book, replacing the second break with the word harm. I retell this bit of history to illustrate how far American culture has moved away from Christian values and the strength that accompanies those beliefs. Words now trigger and provoke. They justify a hyperbolic response. They power a culture that overemphasizes the perception of respect. The culture of perceived respect is most deeply rooted among black people. Black culture demands that black people not allow anyone of any race to disrespect them. A verbal slight prompts a face-saving, over-the-top rebuke at best, and violence at worst. Verbal disrespect is a hill worth dying on in a secular society. It's not in a culture ruled by a biblical worldview. At the root of sticks and stones, that adage is a belief each individual is performing for an audience of one, God. Another man's words cannot harm me, especially if that man's words are inconsistent with the thoughts, words, and deeds of Jesus Christ. It is not a sign of weakness to ignore the misguided babble of your fellow man and woman. It's a sign of strength and faith in a higher power. 160 years ago, when black people dealt with virulent and pervasive discrimination and disrespect, we turned to God for validation and identity. Now that we are free, we constantly seek the approval of our fellow man, especially the white ones. This is what triggered Pro Football Hall of Famer Shannon Sharpe yesterday when he exploded on live television during a passionate discussion with Skip Bayless. On their Fox Sports 1 debate show, Undisputed, Bayless accused Sharp of being jealous of Tampa Bay quarterback Tom Brady's lengthy career. Bayless at one point said that Brady, the most accomplished player in NFL history, is way better than Sharp, causing the former tight end to erupt in anger and start shouting, you make it seem like I was a bum. I'm in the effing Hall of Fame. I got three Super Bowls. Bayless retorted, so what? Next thing you know, shit. Shan- see, see what you did? You take personal shots. You would take a personal shot at me to say this man is better than me because I say he's playing bad this year? You would disrespect me to support him? My rendition, that play-by-play does not do justice to the wild and embarrassing emotion Sharp displayed. Twice Sharp blurted out howls and screeches that could best be described as expressions of violent eroticism or maybe the the wails of a wounded animal. Skip Bayless's words harmed Shannon Sharp. This would not be the case if Sharp leaned into a biblical worldview. Sharp would laugh off Bayless's verbal slights because he would realize that in a football debate Bayless was acting out of insecurity. Bayless diminished Sharp to elevate himself. It's a well-worn debate tactic. I'm gonna take a second here and go a cut deeper, but I need to add some context before I do. I want to enter into the record, I do not believe Skip Bayless is a bigot at all. I worked at Fox Sports 1 with Sharp and Bayless. Bayless is eccentric, he's not driven by racial animus. He's a highly frustrated, failed athlete who delights in thinking he knows more about sports than athletes and other journalists do. On the positive side, my impression of Bayless is he derives many of his core values from his religious faith. I mention that because the Sticks and Stones adage originated in a black Christian newspaper during slavery as a reaction to white bigotry. It was a tool for black believers to reject and ignore the belittling and condescending comments hurled at them. The adage is a reminder to all believers that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Our abandonment of religious faith has left us weak and overly sensitive. Someone, black or white, intentionally or unintentionally says the wrong word to us and we think it's important to confront and rebuke that person. It's just not. How many young black men have shot and killed have been shot and killed by other black men? over a perceived lack of respect. We're in a constant battle for external respect when our real conflict is our internal battle for obedience to God's will. Secular values produce weak men, men who who can be triggered and controlled by their emotions. Yesterday, to no real surprise, social media users championed Sharp's response to Bayless. Twitter remains the most secular place on earth. Former NFL MVP and CBS broadcaster Rich Gannon congratulated Sharp on showing restraint. Thousands of other users praised Sharp for not allowing Bayless to disrespect him. Skip Bayless tricked Shannon Sharp into disrespecting himself. Sharp looked unhinged and ready to fight a 70-year-old man. A man standing on God's truth cannot be so easily fooled. A man standing with God laughs at Skip Bayless's trolls, realizing Skip is jealous of Stephen A. Smith's success at ESPN. That's my fire. Uh, TJ Moe, Royce White, uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Royce, and, and, get your reaction to my assertion that the abandonment of a biblical worldview is at the heart of producing these weak and emotional men that I see everywhere.
0: Well, you know, I agree with that, you know, wholeheartedly. I would would say first that, you know, my opinion may be a bit biased because I, I tend to think of myself as a sort of Christian militant. So, you know, I, I can fly off the handle as well, and and I try and work on that. And, you know, actually watching Kyrie Irving go through his situation and getting to know him a little bit helped me, you know, reflect on my own, uh, you know, knee-jerk reactions to to how crazy the world has become and what people say. Um, I think when it comes to this particular case with Shannon, um, he's just projecting, you know what I mean? He's uh, in a lot of these black bourgeois sellout commentators and celebrities uh, project their, you know, their repressed anger, resent, and then they misplace it uh, because they know they've sold out and it's very hard for them to deal with that. And, and you know, you see all of these very out of out of uh, out of body, out, uh, you know, not for the circumstantial situation care. reactions. Yeah, you see, you see that uh, with athletes. You see it with a lot of these people, and and you're right. It, it's because they know deep down that they've sold out, and and they they've lost that higher purpose, that higher meaning, and and they've given way to the money and materialism. So you know that that builds a deep resent uh, and and a deep anxiety. So, T.J., what do you think of my assertion
1: that I was You know, I'm preaching to a choir. I I get it. But I I see all this emotion and I see the weakening of our society. And people can't connect the dots that when you move away from a society that's defined by not everybody was a believer, but the culture was driven by do, do you show any biblical values? Do you do you those characteristics? Do they define your integrity and how you operate? We've moved so far away from that. That, that we don't even understand. Sticks and stones may break my bones. Words will never harm me. People don't even say that anymore. We talk about microaggressions and all this other stuff. It's a cowardly, unbiblical society.
2: It is. Um, to, to my knowledge, Elon Musk is a non-believer. He, borderline, but even he last week on Twitter when he was dealing with Kanye, because Kanye was tweeting at him and at the end of each of his things, he'd say, Jesus is king. And Elon said, I did not understand the profound wisdom in Turn the Other Cheek when I was young, but now I do. I realize I was the fool. This is a Um, non-believer. He went on to say in an interview, he's like, look, if we all did an eye for an eye, everybody would be walking around blind. So that's the profound wisdom within it. And this is Elon, a guy who's, again, to my knowledge, don't believe he's a believer. Um, but he's a guy that can realize that the biblical truths are what serve all of us best. And And the Bible's clear. And yesterday I watched Shannon Sharp and took his side in the dispute in that I would be really annoyed with Skip Bayless and his approach as well. I wouldn't take his side in how Shannon reacted. I think that was crazy. I mean, the noises he made sounded like a demon leaving a body. But I will tell you, I can see why you would want to react with anger to that. But the, 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 my favorite Bible verse is James one nineteen. It says, you should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires for you. And so when, when you realize, this is a, I, I get it, you become very self-centered when you make a lot of money, when you're in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, when you have a TV show, and everybody's putting clips about you every day, and you got almost 2 million Twitter followers, and everything's about you all the time. I can see that. But it is, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what Skip Bayless did, your personal reaction is only a reflection of you. And once you get that, you realize like someday Skip's gonna be gone and you're gonna be stuck with your really stupid reaction that made you look bad. And if somebody can provoke that kind of anger from you, aren't they controlling you? Do you really have any control of your own life? If you you walk around each day and you're just waiting for somebody to disrespect you so you can punch them in the face, aren't they the puppeteers, aren't you the puppet? Royce,
1: I- I've been saying that for years. How someone treats me doesn't determine how I act or respond. I'm in control of that. And so a, a lot of times, t- I let people say dumb, disrespectful things to me because I think it reflects poorly on them, not on me.
0: Will, will allow me to push back <clears throat> in, in part, if I can, because... I think Skip Bayless's point was r- ridiculous, and obviously he gets paid to do that, and we have an entire sports and media culture that gets paid to spark these sort of debates. I mean, it's kind, of a, it's kind of a champagne thing to be able to have two people get on a show and debate back and forth about sports anyway, in my opinion. I mean, we're dropping bombs 400 miles inside of Russia. Um, so so that, that's first and foremost, and it's ridiculous to even compare a tight end to a quarterback. In terms of overall you know uh, career body of work, especially Tom Brady's, and Tom Brady is better than Shannon Sharp, even if I were to compare him, that's, that's a given. Um, but but my, my point and, and what I think people should be thinking about here is, this is a slippery slope that we're, that we're talking about, and you know, yes, we're taught to turn the other cheek, and yes, we should be uh, you know quick to listen and slow to speak, but my gut intuition is that the Bible was written at a time when things were much closer to the natural way, were much closer to the natural order, were much closer to God in every sense, and that Satanists, Satan himself, Luciferians, have done so well to grab the reins of our society, and we are so far from it, we should be quick to rebuke and refute. We should be quick to respond we should be quick to respond when it's righteous and divine. And Shannon Sharp responding in that way in the context of a sports show where they gossip about other men who play a game is not, has nothing to do with righteousness. But there are moments, there are times when conversations do take place or actions are waged against us where we should be ready to respond with the full force possible, whether that be verbal or physical. And I think Christians have lost that. And, and, and because of that, we have been marched down a path where we're hanging by a cliff and all of our Christian values are on the precipice of, of complete annihilation. And I think, I don't think anybody can argue that. Can't
1: argue it. I think there are certain things worth fighting over and dying for I don't think Skip Bayless's opinion of my football career is one of those things. I'm not a pacifist. And and I don't say this lightly because, one, I'm old and fat and I'm, I'm more useless now than I would have been 20 years ago. But I do see things in our society that I'm willing to die for. Drag queens in schools, sexualizing kids. I'm willing to die over that. I'm willing to assault someone over that. And if, you know, there are a lot of Luciferian, demonic things going on in our culture that if it cost me my life, I'm willing to do that. But some jack off on TV saying Tom Brady's way better than me, my ego's just not wrapped up in that, that I find it unmanly. I find it emotional. I find Skip Bayless has him on a puppet string and got this dude out here dancing looking like a minstrel show and looking like a stereotypical guy who can't control his emotions and he's so far removed from a biblical worldview he doesn't even reckon what is worth drawing a line in the sand for and putting your hands on another man he doesn't even know he thinks it's some little verbal disrespect on a TV show he's completely unaware Because he's on social media, he sees the same things, and and these leftists think nothing. When they see a a grown man dressed up as a woman and little children giving them money, it triggers nothing in them. They're so far down that satanic rabbit hole. It triggers nothing. But someone saying, you're not as good at football as you think it is, or you stepped on my shoes at a party, or... You mean mug me, or you didn't do X, Y, and Z? That—that—that's, you know, we didn't. We're not going to get into it today. But it's like I saw some bar stool video, and this ain't even men. But I saw that bar stool video with Alex Stein, where two women were willing to fight Alex Stein. Two black women were willing to fight Alex Stein over him trolling Dave Portnoy. I looked at that. uh, We. This world has gone crazy. We got women. Yeah. <laughs> Alex Stein goes and trolls Barstool, which is dominated by white people. Yeah. And two black women are willing to lay down their fingernails and weaves in their hair to go fight uh, Alex Stein. I just... I was. We're so far removed from reality and, and what's... Uh, anyway, so... I I I don't think uh, this is about being passive and being a weak Christian and not know. It's about having enough self-awareness and knowledge to know what is worth being
2: triggered over. And we've lost sight of that. So I, I agree with both of you here. And I think the Bible makes a clear distinction. Proverbs 13 says only by pride comes contention. So when you're taking offense at something that is said towards you, like Shannon was yesterday, that comes from self-centeredness. That comes from pride. Immediately, he went to saying, you think I'm a bum. I got three Super Bowls. I'm in the effing Hall of Fame. Right? That was pride talking. Because a, a rational human being would have said, all right, let's just agree that I suck. I, I'm horrible. Can, can we now have a discussion about Tom Brady? Because you just want to talk about me. That's what a normal human being would have said. Um, the Bible is very clear that there is righteous anger. Jesus went into the temple, Matthew 21, and flipped over tables because of what was happening there. And so there is a time for what Royce is talking about. There's also a time when it comes to your own personal pride that you should get out of the way. And who cares what you say about me? You have no power over me. And God defines who I am in Ephesians 2. And that's it. I I look at Ephesians 2, I know my self-worth right there. It's got nothing to do with some 70-year-old washed-up loser named Skip Bayless thinks about me.
1: And so Royce, I want, I want you to follow up on this. I, I, I've met, I've know Skip bears. or I used to know Skip Bears. I don't think he's racist at all. I think he's actually committed to proving to the whole world he loves black people, and look how much money I paid Lil Wayne to pretend to be my friend. <laughs> Uh, you know, I I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> and so I just want to enter that. In. But I also think there is a racial component to the dispute between he and Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp's caping up for Todd Bowles and and Byron Leftwich because I wouldn't watch the full. There's the one minute highlight and then there's actually a 12 minute segment where, you know, Shannon's all upset because... Skip is saying that Tom Brady watches more film than the coaching staff. And Shannon, I'm not going to let you disrespect the coaches and Byron Leftwood and these people. And so there is this racial uh, contention that's there. And again, I'm not accusing Skip of being racist. I'm just telling you what Shannon's reacting to. And what I reject is how much energy we pour into what the white man thinks about us. I just yeah. reject that. Yeah. Now, if the white man comes dressed up to sexualize your child, be upset about that. Knock, the, knock that man into the middle of next week and I'll yeah. pay the bail money. Just like they were willing to pay the bail money for everybody rioting in the name of George Floyd. Sexualizing children, I'll raise money and pay the bail and buy you a lawyer the whole night. But, but, but I, I just see Shannon... And many people over social media, they spend their whole lives. Oh, God, what do white people think about me? What do white people think? And they spend no time. What does God think about me and what I'm Mm. doing? And that's our problem.
0: No doubt. Epidemic of self-doubt. You know, that's that's what it is, it's an epidemic of self-doubt. And it, and it comes through not having any faith in God. And, uh, you know, I want to be clear, I'm not making any excuses for Shannon Sharp. I don't even take Shannon Sharp serious. You know, I, I don't when you when you try and say that you're pro black, but you openly brag about Hennessy, a French cognac, um, you're a clown. So, yeah, it's it's very hard for him to, to discern which causes to deserve a righteous and divine response of full force because he's drunk. I mean, let's just throw it on out there. You know, alcohol. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I, I,
1: let's be clear. Shannon Sharp mm-hmm. does not drink. That's a stick in an act. He does not drink. He doesn't smoke weed. Shannon Sharp is very meticulous about what he puts in his body. That's all a gimmick. That's part of the minstrel show that he's playing on television. Uh right, now go ahead.
0: <laughs> that, I'm just that, telling that, you
1: the fact. I know the guy.
0: That makes it worse. That yeah. makes it worse. If you're If you're willing to openly promote... Uh, French cognac and alcoholism, and you don't actually do it. That makes you a cuck. Okay, so you know when we talk about being a cuck, that's a prime example. Uh, he's a cuck for the alcohol industry, which is ridiculous. Um, but you know, I, I think that the racial component that exists in sports has history to it. You know, it's it's there. Um, we as black people do not have any identity. We've lost our identity. We've lost our identity across time. Uh, You know, for so long, our identity was the oppression that we that we dealt with in this country with slavery and and with the civil rights movement. And outside of that, our history has largely been predicated on uh, the contributions we make in the creative, innovative entertainment field. Um, you know, even if you don't take away entertainment and you want to talk about science and the scientific, it's based on innovation. Right. Our contribution through a system that, um, you know, we never got a fair share from. Right. And that that is true as well. So, you know, that that also kind of breeds this contempt and resent that that brings about these these displaced Reactions, And we have to find that identity. I mean, that's just the that's just the bottom line. We have to find our identity again as black people in this country. I would think it should be Jesus Christ, God, sacred honor, national honor. I mean, if you say we help build the country, don't turn around and say F America or hold this, you know, this contempt towards America. Change America become America, take the reins of America. But people like Shannon Sharp don't want to do that. They, they're totally fine with Hennessy having the reins of America. And when I say he's drunk, I mean that he's drunk with, with ego, right? He's, he's drunk with, with his own, with the, the image of himself and with the attention that he gets for selling out. You know, that's a form of being drunk too. Just like watching football on Sundays, you could say as a form of jerking off.
1: Yes. And I've orgasmed many times watching <laughs> football. I have to plead guilty to that. Uh, I want to pick up on your point about our identity. You didn't state it explicitly, but a lot of our identities caught up in our sports accomplishment that we're, we're so far removed from any identity to related to God. We think our identity is in basketballs and footballs and games and, and you're absolutely right and one of the issues and I w- want to bring this to both of you and I'll let TJ go first Shannon is offended he's in the Hall of Fame and I think there's other football players that are offended that Tom Brady's being put on a pedestal above them above all of them that he sits on a platform all by himself and this bugs people in a way that it doesn't like in basketball where Michael Jordan sits on a pedestal and and people sit "Yeah, and LeBron challenges it but everybody else pretty much acknowledges that hey no Jordan's in a special room and maybe LeBron has access to it maybe Magic has access to it but 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 as it relates to Tom Brady I think there are a lot of Hall of Fame football players that are like man and and, and there's actual kernels of truth to it, particularly as, as Skip is talking about how long Tom Brady has played, Shannon Sharp and other people that know football are sitting there going, hey man, if this dude had played 20 years earlier, he would have been retired at 35-2 because that's the hits he would have taken. He wouldn't be able to play, but they've so softened the game. Shannon said it and he can't say it because he doesn't want to be accused of hating on Tom Brady, but that's what he wants to say. Tom Brady, I think, would probably acknowledge yes. that. Uh, but, but I think a lot of football players are looking at Brady and the way he's celebrating, the way he's being detached and, and placed on a pedestal above it, it's like, he ain't earned that. This is a, He's playing a completely different game. And one of the reasons why Jordan gets none of that is because he played in a very physical NBA that tested him in every way possible. And if if Steph Curry ever got put on that pedestal, you'd see some resentment across the board among NBA players like, this dude didn't play when it was real, and they put this three-point line in, and they made it a joke.
2: Anyway, I think that's part of what's driving Shannon Sharp. Tom's been very vocal about how bad football has become and that, you don't penalize, particularly quarterbacks, but offenses for bad decisions anymore. You don't have to be nearly as sharp as you once were to protect your guys and everything. This is flag football and and he's not a fan of it. So I do agree with that. I wonder if there is a racial component there because this is a sport dominated by black men who most people would consider to be the best athletes. You know, It's like one of the few best athletes you could say that's a white guy in the league is Christian McCaffrey. Outside of that, every starting corner in the league, these a, defensive ends are off the charts. Yes, the that, that's right. And some tight ends, yeah. Travis Kelsey. But generally, when you think of great athlete, then you're thinking of black dude in the NFL, r- virtually every running back, right? And then this has been going on for 30 years, 20, 30 years. And Tom Brady is the most unathletic white dude that has ever existed. And he's got a great arm and he's got a brain and he got put with the right coach. So I wonder if there is Shannon, a guy who's so obsessed with race, is like this guy who's had it handed to him with Bill Belichick, with uh, a league that won't let us touch him, he's playing until he's 50 because his brain still works because nobody's hit him, for one, and two, because all he has to do is stand back there and throw the football. His arm just hasn't fallen off yet, and we're telling everyone that he's the greatest player ever. I can't walk most days until I'm up for an hour, and so I I do wonder if there, because he's shown us how obsessed with race he is, I wonder if there's a racial component to all this as well.
1: Uh, Royce, hop in here. I, I would love, it. and I know you're a basketball player, but y- you know how competitive athletes are, and maybe people don't respect Brady's journey to goat status.
0: I mean, it's possible. Look these these are these are champagne problems. When I when I when I look at athletes and I look at the things they're able to accomplish. I just you know I just take it on face value. I don't have real emotional negative opinions about what anybody's accomplished athletically cuz much of it is circumstantial across generations and Tom Brady Won seven Super Bowls across 15 to 20 years. I mean, the guy is the GOAT. You can't argue with, with, with the results, I and mean, you can make claims about the game. There are people that say that Michael Jordan didn't play as, uh, against a good a competition as, as LeBron. And there's all kinds of opinions, but, but the reality is, is Tom statement. Brady. It, it, it's a ridiculous <laughs> statement. Brady. I hope you don't believe
1: that, Royce. Let me stop you there. We've got to clarify this <laughs> so I can know how much respect I have for you. You don't believe LeBron has played against better competition than Jordan, do you? No way.
0: No way. Continue. Continue. I I will speak for my generation. There (laughs) There are people my age and younger than me. That, that do make that argument because they, they didn't really watch the game in the 90s when it was played live on television. There are a lot of new NBA fans that are coming in and seeing basketball for the first time as the audience continues to expand. So they don't really have a real reference point for how difficult it was to get to the rim and finish in the 90s when you could literally take a forearm across somebody's chin and get in a fist fight and get a one game suspension at at most, right? They don't even have a reference to that. And sports is soft across the board. Sports become soft but you got to have a certain respect for quarterbacks they still have to see the play they still have to make the plays and what's most impressive about Tom Brady in my opinion as somebody who played football when I was younger but but stopped and still watched somewhat is he too rough for you it was too rough for you no 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 I see I I fight in a cage it don't get no rougher than that right I know football it was it was football was too rough for you though no, nah, no, nah, you know, I just, I like, I like, I like my helmet off. You know, I, <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> like my, helmet off. My, my, my point to Shannon would be this. You should have played a different sport, buddy. You know, football is a very isolated position game. Very different from basketball in that way. And basketball, you got players like Giannis, who plays all five positions in within a few uh, possessions. Tight ends. You know, Shannon Sharp was a great tight end. He was a very good tight end. But you got jealousy for the quarterback. It's a quarterback game, buddy. You should have switched sports when you were young. It's not, you know, get, you know hop or off. Or positions. Of, or your position. Yeah, but, he, you know, that, yeah. If he could, you know, it's not easy to control the game and control a, a team and possessions the way that Tom Brady has showed that he kid can do. And also, Tom Brady, at whatever point throughout his career, had a lot of power in the organization he was a part of. And he made it a priority to ensure that he was protected and that all of these superstars have a voice in the front office to some respect. And what you choose to do with that Reflects upon your character and reflects upon your end resume too. And LeBron has hiccupped that a lot of times, right? He's trying to put people around him for buddy ball instead of the guys who actually can get things done and win. And he'll and he's gonna and he's lost championships for that reason. So all of it goes into play. I think you know it's just petty. But but all that being said, Tom Brady's a sellout too. So you know that that. That's the reality. He's the best quarterback of all time, in my opinion. He is better than Shannon Sharp. If you want to cross-compare positions, which I don't ever like to do, but he's still a sellout. So, you know, it is what it is. Both things can be true. How did true. he sell out, Royce? How did he sell out, Royce? Uh, he he's he's hidden he's hidden himself back in the in the shadows, and he and he's uh rested on the laurels of his athletic accomplishments um and and has failed to rise to the to the times and the platform that he has, and be a leader outside. Vaccines, of vaccines. He should have spoken out
1: against the vaccine. It's that, not. That's a vaccines. great point of it.
0: it, it it's it's not Trump just, too.
1: It's,
2: it's the alcohol. He was a guy with the MAGA hat in, inside of his it, locker and backed away from that immediately.
0: Yes, it's the alcohol industry. It's the dopamine. It's the fact that he knows and he has benefited from an idolatrous sports fanatic culture. And when you are in that spot, if I was in that spot, if I was fortunate enough and blessed enough to have the circumstance to rise to be the premier athlete, I would tell the people, have fun watching the games. But this is a fantasy. The real world, the real the real life, real things are happening there in Russia. They're happening there in the Ukraine. They're happening there in Africa in the cobalt mines of the Congo. They're happening there at our southern border. But that's just me, and that's who Muhammad Ali was, which is why none of these athletes really can really have a, a much much staying power in my mind or consciousness throughout the week. Only the athletes who were willing to make the ultimate sacrifice. And Tom Brady's not willing to do that, but he's the best of all time.
1: You got anything else you want to say, Royce, or I'm going to let you
2: go?
0: Uh, I want to enter one thing into oh. the record. Oh. I,
2: I played uh, SEC football. I would not have liked to play against Royce White. So I think he'd have been just fine. It's too, he's not. The sport's
1: too rough.
2: Yeah, defensive yeah. end. I think Royce
0: would have made a living. Uh, I'm not, uh, How well, tall are you, Royce? I'm, six six. I, I'm six, six eight, eight, and I'm six eight and a half. I played okay. played quarterback when I was young, and uh, when I got to high school, they Can't wanted me retired. <laughs> Mm-hmm. They want me to play tight end, but, but I, I, I rejected that. And a few years back, I actually thought when I switched to uh, MMA from basketball, I thought about going to trial for tight end. I think, I think basketball players make the best tight ends. I, I think that's – Jimmy Graham to... did it. Yeah, yeah. Antonio Tony Gates he play basketball. It is what yeah. it is. Jimmy Graham wasn't even a football player. Didn't he
2: go straight from playing college basketball into – I'm not
1: sure. I'm yeah. not... Royce, I got to let you go. Thank you. Great job. Uh, TJ, I want to make one other point about Shannon Sharp to you, where shannons he can't say this. He can't either think in real time or he's too afraid or but but, and maybe it's not his job to do it. It's for people like me to explain what he because he's boxed in. He wants to protect that paycheck. It's an easy cush job. He's got responsibilities. What Shannon Sharp is also equally frustrated about, a lot of things that I said about this era of football in comparison to other eras of football, I think Shannon Sharp would love to have that discussion. Skip Bayless won't allow it. Mm. Skip Bayless is in control of that show. He just determined the topics, what they can and can't talk about. and And so Shannon's boxed in, talking about the Handful of stupid things yeah. Skip Bayless likes to talk about, and it's not, he's, as Shannon plays along. He plays this LeBron James groupie role that is beneath him and feminine, but he does it. Uh, that's his choice. But He would probably, like, as it relates to football, he'd love to get into the nitty gritty and the detail of like, hey, let's have a real discussion about Tom Brady. Even Tom Brady recognizes the era that he's playing in because I'm someone that, based on his accomplishments, I'm going to give it up to Tom Brady. Yep. I think John Elway is the better quarterback. I think John Elway is the greatest quarterback of all time. I think John Elway, you put him in any era of football, all the way back to the 1920s, all the way to now, he's a pro bowler, all pro. Great quarterback in any of those areas. I don't think you can say that about all the other quarterbacks. You take Peyton Manning if he plays in the seventies. I don't think I think he comes down a notch. Uh, <clears throat> but as it relates to Brady, all of these guys are sitting around like, man, he's rewriting all the records and making us look like, uh, you know, we didn't know what we were doing. And, and, and this even goes to just take the protection of the quarterback out of it. These quarterbacks are completing 70% of their passes because the receivers have no fear. And they're all throwing bubble routes. And yeah. Nice, yeah. But, but you can go over the middle now. It's a walk in the park.
2: No question. 30 years, you could get killed. Ten years ago, I got killed yeah. going across the middle. But Wes Welker, if you remember, do you remember the helmet that Wes Welker had to wear when he was in Denver in 2013? It looked like an astronaut helmet because he had so many concussions, they had to just keep adding padding. This thing was out <laughs> to here. Um, the league didn't change. This, I wanted to f- defend Tom a little bit. The league didn't change until halfway through his career. Disagree. I think. Disagree. Again, just because. In the 60s, cornerbacks could be a lot more physical receivers down the field. Didn't change from Elway's time is what I'm talking about. These guys. So Elway played the same ball that Tom Brady no. played into 2010. I disagree.
1: and And I can't. Because I I once wrote a story about this and and broke down the little changes and th- that went on in these little ten year windows or whatever, but but they just started manipulating the game for points. Seventies, eighties, nineties, and each little decade had a different little tweak that favored the offense, mm-hmm. and and. Yeah. It, now, there is some similarity. Elway at the end of his last 10 years and maybe Brady in his first 10 years, maybe the rules were, were more of the same. But th- this game has changed tremendously. I can remember it was Lyle Alzado or somebody. He did something, I think, to Dan Pastorini, a quarterback he probably never heard of. But, he a, but I mean, the way he just dropped him on his head, he would be arrested. No right course. now, the, yes. the, the stuff they used to be able to do but and 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 the way receivers had to fit, and even the gloves they've given these receivers now. Got it. it it's like because they used to outlaw stick them. Yep. People used to wear it and they outlawed it. Now they've done just the reverse and given everybody gloves so they can make all these one handed catches. What Beckham Jr. is not more talented than Bob Hayes or uh Drew Pierre or Lynn Swan. He got better gloves.
2: All these guys, I see all, everybody's making these one-handed catches. hmm Gloves are unbelievable. Yeah. I benefited from that. Um, the, the five yard illegal contact rule came in 1978. So Elway got his entire career under those rules. And so there are a lot of similarities. I don't think... Emphasis
1: though, I'm just telling you, I don't, they didn't call it the way they do now. It became a point of emphasis at some point, I want to go. Call. Call I want to go
2: back. Yeah. I, I'm a slot receiver that made a living between the hashes, and typically didn't go past 12 yards. And I paid for it over and over and over again. To but it, I had one year. I had about 90 catches and probably five concussions. Right. And it's same thing every time. And you got to have the guts to do it. And either it's worth it to you or it's not. And you have guys that are counting on people like that to make the sport worth playing. A lot of these defensive guys right now, if you're growing up, this is what's killing the game, Uh, maybe defensive end, because they're making so much money now, but if you're growing up, is there a position on defense you really want to play? Why? Corner. You're just just waiting. Maybe corner. You're just waiting to get fined, is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. All these guys, it's like, I can't hit the quarterback. If I hit him too hard, I don't set him down gently. I'm going to lose a big paycheck. I can't hit anybody going across the middle. If I hit him too high, that's a problem. If I hit him too low, I end his career. It's just, it's miserable time. And and again, the guys who got to experience this game, and I'm one of the, the the targeting in college came my senior year, and all of us had to adjust, because I used to block guys up high. There there was a, a game where I, We had some sort of sweep, and there was this middle linebacker that was killing me all game, and I launched and took his head off. Coming across, he didn't see me coming, and that was reviewed by the SEC to get me ejected and kicked out of the next game. I ended up being okay, but I'm saying that, that was an adjustment for everybody. Those were things that you did that made the game fun and interesting. I got pounded. I was always the nail, and every once in a while, I got an opportunity to be the hammer, and I didn't pass that up, right? And that was the fun of the game. And then at the end of the game, you would shake hands and say, this is the sport we love. Thanks for playing hard. That, that's the end of it. And so the guys like Tom and the rest. And, and Shannon Sharp is angry, too, because of the sport moving. But he can't say it either. These guys are all paid to talk like CTE is the worst thing that's ever happened, that it actually exists in some form that's killing everyone. And so they can't say the stuff they want. What they want to say, Shannon, Ryan Clark, I think, if he would ever be honest with himself, most of these guys, is this is all nonsense. If we were playing the real sport, these guys would all suck.
1: Yes, it would be. And they can't. They also they can't say, hey, man, this game's not as good mm-hmm. because they're television partners with the league and everybody has to sell the myth that what you're seeing is the greatest thing you've ever seen. This is so much better than when Earl Campbell ran the football and, and literally because th- that's this whole quarterback thing. They made a decision that the whole league is about quarterbacks. And I'm sitting there going. Hey, man, I used to love watching Walter Payton. Mm-hmm. I would sit, oh, Earl Campbell's on. This is going to be incredible. to wa- And now we act
2: like the, the running backs virtually don't matter. Unless they can catch the ball yes. out the backfield. And, right. and
1: we act like it's, oh, that's not as exciting. Watching O.J. Simpson run for 2,000 yards, that's not a, Yes, it is exciting. Yep. And yes, it was. And watching Eric Dickerson. Anyway, we're, we're, y'all got me off on one. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> I want to tell you guys about my friends at preborn. Tragically, every minute, unborn babies' futures are sucked out of existence, but amid the darkness, there's a light that shines, and that's preborn. Guys, you know I love preborn. Preborn introduces mothers considering abortion to their unborn babies through ultrasound. Once they hear that heartbeat and see the precious life, 80% of the time, that woman will choose life. Preborn pra- pregnancy uh, cri- clinics. Are positioned, placed in the top areas where abortions are taking place. And so preborn is incredibly effective. It doesn't stop there. Preborn then loves and supports these mothers with paternity clothes, diapers, counseling, and so much more for up to two years. If you want to do good this year, you want to do good, you want to feel good about yourself during the holiday season, support preborn. Preborn is completely dependent on you the pro-life community. Preborn is dependent upon you. They're fighting the giants. For just $28, you can rescue a baby's life, or $140 sponsors five ultrasounds. And now through a match, your gift is double. 100% of your donation will go towards saving babies, our goal here. You know we've partnered with Preborn here at The Blaze. We want to save 50,000 babies in 23. You can help us do it. Will you help us? Will you join us? Just. Dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 keyword baby. Or donate the Jason Whitlock way. Preborn.com slash Jason. That's preborn.com slash Jason. Make that one of your first Christmas gifts to the world and to yourself. Preborn.com slash Jason. You can email me and us, fearless blaze show at gmail Korean CoSell. Next.
3: Alright, welcome back. Let's
1: roll out to Los Angeles, bring in the Korean co-cell Steve Kim. Steve, I want to start with our last conversation. I don't know how much of you that you heard. We've been in a big debate about Tom Brady and Shannon Sharp, and I was making the point that one of the things frustrating Shannon Sharp is that he can't have a nuanced discussion about Tom Brady and about how much football has changed and how Tom Brady's playing in an NFL that is much easier and softer than the league that Shannon Sharp played in, that quarterbacks from future eras played in. And I think there's some jealousy and envy and some animus a bit towards Tom Brady that shared among a lot of all-time great players because they're saying, no way, he couldn't play until 45 yeah. if he had started his career in the 1970s or 80s. Your thoughts?
3: I agree with a lot of that. And I've said for a while, the way we judge players now, in my view, we've got to have two different discussions. Who's the greatest quarterback and who are the greatest football players? me and you have been on the same wavelength in a sense that for the last decade, we have said clearly Aaron Donald is the best football playing gladiator around. But anytime you talk about NFL top 10 player list, it's always like the top eight quarterbacks and then two other guys. And I've always said, well, wait a minute, the rules are so much different for these guys compared to everyone else. Even now that you can't make that discussion. And, and, and Shannon has a point there in a sense that, I would be insulted, too, if Skip Bayless, of all people, said, yeah, but you only made the Hall of Fame and you only played till 35. He played tight end, which actually requires a lot of inline work and running into other people, going across the middle. And I don't think there's any doubt that there's a lot of old school players. And I would say players that played from 2000 and beyond, so the 90s and 80s and 70s, Jason, that is a different, more vicious game. It is much more physical. It is much more violent. Go to any NFL films, Google it, YouTube it, and the stuff they did back then are now penalties. And it's a lot like boxing. When I hear discussions, well, Floyd Mayweather's the greatest fighter of all time, and you see other comments like that, and I say, yeah, maybe, but here's the issue. Floyd Mayweather only had 50 fights. Uh, Back then, they had uh, horsehair gloves, so the padding was just much more uh, hard. I mean, it was a different— Those men fought seven, eight times a year and they had 15 round fights and fights really weren't stopped on cuts or bruises. They let you get beat up. So it's the same game, but it's a different sport. So in that perspective, I do think Shannon Sharpe actually has a point.
1: Yeah, I, I and that's why I'm very quick to call Brady the most accomplished player in NFL history. I'm reluctant to say he's the best player in NFL history because I don't think he's proven that. I, I think he's done a great job of maxing out this era that he plays in, but but there are other quarterbacks I would take before Tom Brady if I was starting. If again, when I th- when I think of all-time great quarters, I, I guarantee you, Joe Montana thinks this. John Elway thinks this. Uh, Dan Marino thinks this.
3: Troy but Aikman you, you put definitely me... thinks this.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, 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 but you put Dan Marino in this league where you can't be touched, he might still be out there slinging it at 55. And so I I, I don't think it's disrespectful to Tom uh, to say that, hey, man, he's, in a foot race with a, a strong wind that is back, and these guys played quarterback with a wind in their face, and you know I I, I wish I, I almost wish Tom would just come out and say it like, hey man, let, let's stop with all the goat talk. I, I am it's great what I've done. Uh, I don't mind you know. I'll But but let's stop with it. Football is so completely different. I don't want to disrespect Joe Montana and and John Elway and those guys.
3: Jason, let's go back to the Sunday night game. And and I know this had to make a lot of people shake their heads. Jalen Phillips gets a sack uh, on Herbert. He literally got called for a roughing the passer because he actually tackled the quarterback. That's how much the game has changed. I, I mean, it, it, I guarantee wherever Troy Aikman was on a, that Sunday night, he probably said again, yeah, put a god dog dress on him. You know we had to be thinking that. I mean, these guys in that era had to look down the barrel of the gun, and you could flat out drill people. Okay, that's what's expected, and that was the game. Look at basketball. I absolutely blanch and throw up a little bit when people say, well, what about Kobe and LeBron compared to Michael? And I say, yeah, what about him? Uh, they're, not, they're not that, because look at the era Michael Jordan played in. You could hand check. You could hit people across the mouth, and all it was was two fouls. There was better team defensive principles, men like the Pistons, and then the Game of Force New York Knicks. Players are so protected now, and the game is so wide open. Michael Jordan, I don't care what any of these analytic geeks have to say. He would eventually have made the adjustment, if he wanted to, to become a three-point shooter. But in that open space where nobody is guarding the rim like they once did, he'd score 50 points nowadays if he wanted to, on average, I think pretty easily. Uh, I see a lot of parallels there when they try to compare any of the modern-day players to Michael Jordan or any of the modern-day quarterbacks to how the game was played back about 30 years ago.
1: I'm going to inject something else, a big topic as it relates to this, that... uh, (laughs) You just can't have this conversation any place but here. But I'm going to do it. (laughs) There are guys that sit around and watch the NFL and listen to these quarterbacks getting celebrated, and and they're sitting there going, hey, man, I had to call my own place. Mm -hmm. And there was no coach talking to me in my helmet. And so quit telling me that these quarterbacks are so great and they're, they're, they're so much better than we were and they're so much far advanced, take the training wheels off of them. Would, would, and, and this is the part that no one will talk about because it's impolite, it, it's politically incorrect, but, but the whole uh, advent of Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson, all these great black quarterbacks, what would happen if they still had to call their own plays? What would happen if there's no coach talking to them in their ears? What would happen then? These guys are playing with training wheels, not disrespecting what they're doing, but they've simplified the quarterback position to a point that I don't blame people that played in different areas. You get your bell rung and you got 40 seconds to collect your thoughts, Call a play, recognize down and distance, and remember what you've been told all week in preparation and what we want to do in this situation. I got to call a play, and and these guys, all they got to do is put their hands over their ear holes in their helmet and listen to what the coach tells them to do.
2: It's not the same. Well, if there is one guy that could call his own plays, it's Tom. So that's probably yes. not a fair criticism to him. But yeah. the rest of the guys, I mean. The, Aaron Rodgers could do it at this point. In fact, one of the criticisms is that he does, and he won't yeah. follow what the coach says. Russell Wilson, maybe there's very few. But we're, we're talking three or four out of 32. Mm-hmm. So the, the, uh, I think part of it is that we've, we've made the, some of these top quarterbacks. Like John Elway was an unbelievable athlete. He, As we know, he, he talked about going to pitch for the Yankees. It's like a lot of these guys today, I don't know how much they are respected Certainly not as athletes, from even their teammates, but the old guys. Way back when, the quarterbacks were really good athletes. They had to run around, they had to take a hit. A lot of them played different positions growing up. Some of these quarterbacks today, they got an arm and that's it. And I, I think that's problematic because football is a tough man sport. Was a tough man sport. Was a tough man sport. Mm-hmm. And, and all these pro football hall of, famers, hall of famers had to accomplish that to get there. And it was a really hard row. And they look at these quarterbacks and they're like, Duke can throw the ball really far, and that's all, that's the only criteria today. We'll tell you where to throw it how to do it. You get up until a few seconds before the play starts and say, hey, Antonio Brown's going to be open on the right sideline. Hit him there for 15, and then I'll tell you what to do next. Hey, guys. Steve, uh, uh, oh, go ahead.
3: Yeah, Peyton Manning all basically seemed to be his own offensive coordinator on the field. I still remember growing up in the 80s, I remember the Bengals with Boomer Esiason and then later where it really became famous because they made all the Super Bowls, the K-Gun with Jim Kelly. They basically ran a no huddle where Boomer Esiason and Jim Kelly, they were in charge of the plays. So you you couldn't really do a lot of substituting. Everyone kind of had to be in the same positions all the time to get that tempo going. I don't know if anyone could actually do that now. You basically say, hey, guys, we're going to run one. Formation. We're not going to do all that much fancy stuff in terms of motions or shifts. But every 20 seconds, you're going to get to the line of scrimmage. You're going to call your own play. And then literally based on what happens, you're going to get the whole drive. And it was a thing of beauty when the Buffalo Bills played the Raiders in the 1990 AFC Championship game. It was 51-3, to and it was basically snowing in Buffalo. And I'm thinking to myself, Jim Kelly is literally – calling his own offense and calling his own plays it it has been done before but i don't think it'll ever be done again
1: so you mentioned peyton manning i wanted to switch to the manning cast last night uh the patriots uh got a victory last night over the arizona cardinals and during the manning cast peyton and eli had bill simmons on and they had some interesting speculation discussion About Tom Brady and where he might play next season let's take a listen
3: it makes me wonder like I was talking to my podcast a week and a half ago about I don't think Brady's gonna retire I don't think he's gonna be in Tampa next year and I do wonder is there a possibility he could come back next year a farewell thing you know how much he means to Bob Kraft could this be the way to put a bow on it? Could he come back for one last season?
0: Now, the the, the he comes back value play for, for the Patriots
2: for one last Did Brady season. Tell you
1: this. Mm. Hmm. Uh, hmm. Any chance do you see Peyton? I mean, Tom Brady returning to the Patriots?
3: Well, first of all, poor Tom. You're going to have to be coordinated now by Matt Patricia. Good luck with that. <laughs> okay. Uh, I. Well, here's the question. Um, <clears throat> the, what, what would Bill Belichick think about this? I, I'm just wondering, does he want it? look, Bill Belichick made the decision two years ago that I got to turn the page. Now, the Patriots are kind of scuffling along right at 500, but that's a pretty good young team. They've actually had a really good draft, which they haven't had recently. They got some young pieces – and Mac Jones, at times, when they take the Patricia handcuffs on, actually looks like a serviceable quarterback. I don't know. That seems serviceable like
1: Serviceable being the key word. Stop it. Sir, well, who wants a serviceable quarterback?
3: Uh, when your other – okay, and I – well, okay. Do you would, uh, would you have a serviceable quarterback or one that's 46 with one foot out the door? I'm sorry. Tom, look, if you're going to play again – in my view, for Tom's best interest, he has to be the last piece of a Super Bowl-ready team, which means San Francisco, or maybe a team that has a lot of untapped talent is underachieving, like the Raiders, or you think Tennessee? Do you really think Belichick wants Brady back for a celebratory year? You really think him of all people? No, he wants is him because
2: it's, he thinks they're ready to win, or to come in and mentor Mac Jones. Yeah, which I think could be a big part of that. If Belichick wants him at all, it's largely for that reason. If you're going to come here, I need you to be a mentor. And that's that's the biggest part of this whole thing. The reason Tom would come is because now he's single and he knows every woman in Boston. (laughs)
3: How does he know every uh, TJ, woman in Boston? He minute. was married TJ, a big chunk of that. Hold on, yeah, TJ, TJ. Half of it. TJ, <laughs> TJ, he was there for uh, a good
2: decade before he. We-
3: okay, uh, TJ, can I just be honest? And again, I don't want to besmirch anybody. Mm. I don't want this to become my San Antonio to Charles Barkley. But if you're a single guy on the market at Tom Brady status, you'd much rather be in Florida than New England. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> just leave it at that. Good. Is that true? Yes. I had
2: to think about that.
3: No, that's not, that's a no I mean, I've brand. been to
2: Boston, uh, I've been to Florida, spent some time
1: in both. It all depends on where he's at mentally. They, women are probably smarter in the upper northeast, book smarter. Uh, and women are probably more down the earth in the south. Depends on, what you, depends on what you're looking for.
2: Well, and all the conservatives left that area during the uh, pandemic, so there's none left. They're all down in Florida now. Yeah. So depending on what kind of woman he's looking for. But, it, <clears throat> I'm just telling you, uh, Josh McDaniels could be back on the market at any point here, too, with how this uh, mm. Oakland season's going. And he Vegas, right yeah. on back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vegas, yeah, the
1: Vegas, you. the Raiders. So, if you – Steve, you're saying Belichick wants no parts of, of Tom Brady. That, that's I, my I, assumption.
3: I, I just – Belichick I don't wants to know.
1: win. He wants to okay. – and if Tom Brady gave him a chance to win next year – he would do it.
3: I Look, they've each been very political in saying we appreciate each other. We loved our time together. He'll always be my coach. He'll always be my quarterback. But, look, there's a reason why they broke up. And Belichick does not particularly strike me as the most nostalgic guy. He's about ball. And do you really think he wants to answer a whole off-season and training camp? of hey, Bill, how, how's, it, how's it great to be back to be with Tom Brady? And, the, and you know, he'd say, well, you know, uh, we had a good practice. You know, I just want to talk about football. i want to be on to Cincinnati. <laughs> do you really think he wants to go through that for eight months? Mr. Grumpy himself, I have a hard time That's a very
1: good impersonation, that. i got to say. That, that, that was yeah, very good,
2: Steve. Mind. I didn't know you had Yeah, a little ball
1: here. I didn't know on. you Let's had that, that in. I want
3: to move on with the Fearless show. Come on now, guys.
2: <laughs> Famously, have you guys ever watched uh, Football Life with Belichick's? Yeah. I haven't yes. watched his, but I've watched. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He told Marv Levy that he was not going to be coaching into his 70s. Belcheck's 70 right now. So your point about him wanting to win and go, he might be ready to go at this point. He's got his new, I don't know if they're married at this point, but he had gotten a new girlfriend. Linda spends a lot of time, every once in a while you'll see him doing something very embarrassing. That's how you know he likes her. He'll be out in a Halloween costume and it goes up on Instagram or something. So, He he likes this woman. I think if he actually thinks he could win with Brady, And he could get some of the – because he's had to teach a very complex offense. Guys, I still have the New England playbook at my house, and it's hard to carry around because it's so big. It's it's an encyclopedia. It is very difficult to teach that to someone else. And so if you can have a guy that knows that offense, knows everything about it, (laughs) and you can spend your draft largely on solidifying a defense. And if you think you can do that, maybe you're close to retirement too. If he's only got a couple more years, I could see him wanting to get – Get it one more win and be done with it.
3: Hey, and by to the me, way, the TJ, other thing I
2: read into that.
3: Yeah, team Dave, real quickly. You know who up. also agrees with you that's a very complicated offense to learn and master? Matt Patricia. Anyway, go ahead, Jason. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, he does.
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: the other thing to read into Bill Simmons' comments, you know, <laughs> given his Boston sports connections and longtime Patriots fan, I'm sure he has some insight into Brady. Are people connected to Brady? And and that also indicates to me that Brady, if he wants to go back to New England, that's saying, hey, man, this is a clown show over here in Tampa. I got to get back to some sanity. Uh, it, it's a, It would be a pot shot, in my view, at Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich.
3: Hmm. I don't know. Th- this has the Liz Burton, Richard, uh, this has the Liz Taylor, Richard Burton feel to me. Uh, well, sometimes when a marriage is over, it's over. So, Tom, you're not going back to old jizzy jizz, which is fine. Don't go back to New England. You like wanna... <laughs> okay, so if you want to play football you your 50, go ahead. You know what, do what Brett Favre, you know, do what T.J. Daniels is doing. Just go to the transfer portal. Try to play for every division and conference in football. But, I, again, I'm going to go back to Belichick. He sees a young team that he can mold. That that yesterday was a great example of a Belichick coach team. That game was there to be won by both teams, except the Patriots didn't implode. They did all the little things well. And it was more or less the Cardinals giving that game because the Patriots were sound and solid. And Mac Jones, again, that word, serviceable, played his role. I think he kind of likes this core nucleus, and I don't again, I don't know if he wants to answer questions about the reunion for months on in.
1: Mm. Uh, I want to move on to one last topic. There's another rumor, not as pervasive, or maybe it is pervasive, but hadn't been uh, spoken about on TV as far as I know, that uh, Jim Harbaugh could leave Michigan, Uh. return to the Indianapolis Colts where he played for the Colts, rescue that franchise, and if you remember, Jim Harbaugh coached Andrew Luck at Stanford, that Jim Harbaugh could be the Colts' new head coach, replacing Jeff Saturday, and bring Andrew Luck with him. Think that's a possibility, Steve?
3: All right. What are you, the Timex Social Club? How do rumors get started? Started by the jealous people. (laughs) Give me a... Wait a minute. Okay. I can kind of see the NFL dalliance, because that almost happened last year with the Vikings. But to bring back Andrew Locke, who has not played since, what, uh, 2018 was his last season. I don't see it happening. And by the way, as someone who's trying to hold on to the last vestiges of college football tradition, I don't ever want Captain Pleats to leave Ann Arbor. I'm not even a Michigan fan, but he gives that program an identity, a sense of culture and tradition. And he's a face to that program. He's funny. And I think he can mold young men. And, and you know the other thing, though, Jason, and again, I'm not saying they're going to win the national title, but Jim Harbaugh has won long and hard. Ho- okay, uh, there, there we go with the Brady Hope pom-poms being waved. But here's the thing. <laughs> he finally got that program where it needs to be. You know where guys like Brady Hope couldn't get it? Yeah, so they're finally upper echelon. They're on even par, even money now with Ohio State. They've made the playoff twice and he's recruiting very well. I would be disappointed in Harbaugh if he left Michigan without winning a national title. If he does that, then I say, you know what? Go ahead. Go to the National Football League. But college football in Michigan is better with that guy at the big house. I hope it never happens. Uh he
2: is well aware at this point that you don't go somewhere that doesn't have a quarterback and the chances of him mm. bringing Andrew Luck back are zero. Absolutely. Maybe zero. he could bring Kaepernick. He could bring Kaepernick back. <laughs> that would be an option for him. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, did you read, did, did you read the, uh, how do I say his name? Seth w- Wickersham? Is how you, um. Yeah, that's how you was his name. He wrote a story recently about Andrew Luck finally came out and started talking about, you know, I do regret the timing of it, but one piece in there was he was like, look, I, I was thinking a lot about my daughter and my wife. And that's I had to take care of myself. He did the opposite of Brady. all right. And so as Brady said, I'll sacrifice my family for a few more minutes in the NFL. Andrew Luck said, I can't feel my shoulder. I, I wake up every day and I can't walk. This is, this is insane. Um, so if you retire for that reason, you're not coming back to go against that reason and say, oh, I'm four or five years older now. Now I'm a more sturdy yeah. human being who can take a beating. So the, the chances of Andrew Luck coming back are zero, which means the chances of Jim Harbaugh going to a place that right now is quarterbacked by Matt Ryan are absolutely zero.
3: Yeah, TJ.
1: Kaepernick's you- out there. You can hear the social no, justice warriors. We'll bring back Cap.
3: Yeah, OK, well, he likes to win. OK, look, the thing with Andrew Luck, you're right. And I watched a lot of those Colts games. I'm a big Andrew Luck fan. I thought he actually should have probably won the Heisman. I know Robert Griffin made that late run. But he aged from his body, went from age 25 to 40 in like two years. And look, he actually had a great yeah. run with the Colts. Every year they made the playoffs. His first four years, they went a step further. And then they got the uh, blown out by the Patriots, I believe, in the championship game. And it just fell apart because it was an organizational failure to surround him with a good offensive line. And he had to play hero ball so many times, but he also took a beating. He held on to the ball a lot, ran the ball a lot, and he prematurely aged. And if you go back to Michigan, they have a freshman quarterback that's led them through the Big Ten title and a playoff. That kid's going to get better, J.J. McCarthy. And my view is this, look, there will never be a place – especially after these last two seasons that will appreciate him like the university of Michigan. And plus that's his alma mater. And as far as I'm concerned, if he takes any other job right now, this will be worse than Har- Harbaugh drinking milk while eating a steak. Cause that is disgusting. Absolutely <laughs> disgusting, but I'm okay with it as long as he does it with the Wolverines.
1: Thank you, Steve. Uh, great job as always. Uh, we'll probably circle up with you tomorrow. Uh, that's it for us, play, let's play some tomorrow and we'll see you tomorrow.
0: Waiting for the countdown, coming off the breakdown, standing in line for freedom. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in line, like freedom. Came like a fire, Striking like a ladder Making all this
3: moves for freedom I want freedom No negotiation, my system, no relation We all just want to have freedom Sitting on the corner, never been alone I'm
0: breaking my back for freedom Blessed, we are living, get back We are receiving, all deceiving We all want to be free We want freedom I wanna be, I just want